Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Nick Hare, Jordan Fermanis, and Chris Ragg of Aleph. And this week, we're discussing Nick Adderley. Who is Nick Adderley? He's Nick. the Chief Constable of Northamptonshire Police. Uh... And recently, he was spotted, photographed possibly, uh, wearing the South Atlantic medal, which, as you and anyone else oh. British will know, is the medal you get if you served in the Falklands yeah. War. Yeah. Uh, and he did not earn this medal. No. Um, apparently, it belonged to a family member, so he claims. And now, it is permissible to, to wear a family member's medals, but on your right breast, not on your left breast like he was doing. So uh, he fessed up and said, oh, silly me, big mistake, won't do it again. But then it subsequently emerged that he's actually previously claimed to have served in the Falklands War. And, ah. and this has been and he was only 15 at the time. So he didn't. Mm. Um, so this is an example of what the Americans call in a very American style stolen valor. But which we call Walter Mitty's. Uh, yeah. And um, after a character in a James Thurber story who uh, imagines himself in various historical settings to, is a sort of heroic character, but in inevitably, even in his imagination, comes a cropper. Um, and in, in the UK military, they're called Waltz for short. And they're a big, they're a big thing. And the Army, the Army Rumour Service, or ARSE, uh, has a uh, whole, um, whole list of, of Waltz. And uh, and they also have a thing that they call the Valton Commando, which are the Walt Hunters who who seek them out. So it, and you can imagine, obviously, if you're actually in the army, this would be incredibly annoying. Um, and it's certainly not unusual. Um, and I should say, actually, about Nick Adderley, he's a he's a naval veteran. I mean, he's not he's not. A, I don't think he's a total fantasist. Um, but, but you know, obviously prone to a bit of exaggeration. He's a partial fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bloater. And uh, so, I mean, there are some other famous examples of, of these types of characters, which are, are sometimes, uh, well, often are sort of unintentionally amusing. There was uh, the appropriately named Walter Williams, who um, claimed to be the last surviving American Civil War veteran who died in 1959, uh, supposedly aged 117, but he turned out to have only been a kid at the time of the mm. American Civil War. Um, L. Ron Hubbard massively exaggerated his military experience and um, you know claimed to have been involved in all kinds of sort of combat activities that he wasn't. Uh, there's a chap called Jack Livesey who was a, became a, a historian and a tour guide and a consultant and claimed to have 20 years in the, in the paras, including having served in Northern Ireland. And it turned out he was just an army cook with histrionic personality disorder. But the best one from recent years is a chap called um, Alan McIlwraith, who who uh, was a call centre worker in Glasgow, who uh, decided that he would start passing himself off as a highly decorated para. Not only that, but he gave himself a knighthood. Uh, and um, his he wrote a Wikipedia page for himself, which I'm going to read out because it's bloody brilliant. 
This is this was his Wikipedia page, right? Uh, Sir Alan McIlwraith. Brilliant. Um, he's best known for risking his own life when his company was attacked by a battalion to protect his men. He took charge of a GPMG and held off the enemy long enough for his men to retreat. For this action, he was aware to the DSO. He was also badly injured protecting a young woman from an angry mob without any weapons to hand. He placed himself between the young woman and mob. This act of heroism made him a hit within the military world. He's known for his no-nonsense way of talking. And during a debate at the UN, he told Ronald E. Newman, American ambassador to Afghanistan, if you think that normal Afghans live their lives free of fear and violence, then can I suggest you get out your ivory tower and go to Afghanistan? With this, the Afghanistan president, Hamid Karzai, stood up and applauded along with the rest of the chamber. It, it's this awesome. is great. It yeah. is awesome. So, um, clearly... A vivid fantasy life uh, when he was rumbled, which was not difficult because, for yeah. example, he claimed that he was one of only 14 men whose faces are etched into the wall at the RMA Sandhurst <laughs> with the name Courage and Honour. That's an easy thing to check. So well, as is having a knighthood. Yeah. Um, so he was rumbled and and uh, it turns out he's actually had rather a sad life was sort of being bullied at work and uh, was generally unhappy. And he said, by portraying myself as better than I was, I thought they wouldn't want to attack me. So I, in the end, as amusing as his story yeah. is, I do feel a bit sorry for him. But anyway, I think what we want to drill into is what's going on here. You know, how prevalent is this kind of thing? Not just obviously military service, but other kinds of exaggeration or fantasism. Um, and what's driving it? What's yeah. it all about? Does it work? Yeah, nicely framed. Uh, just so I'm quite glad we're talking about this because we used to have a lot of problems with this when I was back in special forces. Yeah, with people doing. <laughs> I remember that so, when we were in Hereford together, when yeah, we were in SAS yeah, together. We, we yeah, probably, we were always we getting sh those. We should probably not sort kind of, of talk yeah. about it too much, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I've got a vested interest here. Chris, um, go on. Yeah, no, I've j just on that issue of um, m military fantasists or people uh, exaggerating or, or uh, taking advantage of their military experience. I, I, I got some sort of personal. Um, personal experience when I worked in in the MOD um, as a speechwriter. So mm -hmm. this is this is a, a minister within the department um, who had been a, a, a member of the reservists, the, the territorial army in the eighties, I, I guess. Um, and it wasn't that they they made things up, but they would always make a play of of this mm -hmm. um, in in the speeches they wanted to, to, to make. Um, and, you know, they talked about the, the Queen's colours hanging on their wall. And so it wasn't that they were, they were um, claiming to have military experience that they didn't. It's just that the military experience they had was, you know, being in the Territorial Army in the 1980s and n not really not doing storming anything. storming the Iranian And at the embassy. time, yeah. you had, you know, sort of... Um, double amputees from Helmand walking around the building doing doing jobs and and... The interesting thing was the lack of self-awareness that that this individual hadn't um, really taken on board how trying to equate the two things in some way was was a really naff thing to a really naff thing to do. So I think Michael Hesseltine got brought up on this because he wears a guard's tie. Um, and he was on national service in the guards for about two months or something. Um, but it's quite a Michael Heseltine thing to do, I yeah. feel. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so Chris, I, I, I think you've already touched upon some really nice things then. I think starting to talk about who this guy, actually, who you actually feel quite sorry for him when you hear about it. And also this kind of slight exaggeration of 
and maybe in this, in the military world, slight embellishments, but also in, in other places. I feel there's avenues we can explore there. Chris, yeah. and I think you've got something yeah. on that. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is that spectrum, that, that it, it can go from mild exaggeration or um, failure to correct somebody when they're when they attribute some something to you um through to you know extreme levels of of um fiction you yeah. know that, that 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 are generated and um and then you know we touched a little bit on the the motivation behind it in some some individuals you know on the on the um in the case of of this um political minister you know i think what they were trying to do is gain by saying you know i understand i can empathize with you because i've got you know not dissimilar experiences and to to gain personally but in the event of the the guy nick was talking about um reminded me of the um the fictional 60s 50s 60s comic book character herbie popnecker um who was um basically the whole the whole cartoon series was around he, you know, he's a kind of overweight kid with glasses, um, and it's all about his individual sort of fantasies within his within his head uh, to make his, you know, his actual life sort of to to drown it out and to move to move away from it. So you know, there's an element of, I guess, self-esteem about about the fantasies. But I'm sure there's all sorts of other motivations and reasons. So it might be self-interest. I'll convince these people I've got something so that um, I can achieve whatever it is I'm trying to achieve. But there's also the element of the intrinsic reason for it, which is to make yourself feel better about yourself. Which is also understandable is uh, something about this, as you said, stolen valor. And there's lots of stuff on YouTube with people being confronted. You can imagine, because there's so much um, <clears throat> capital and credence given to this kind of valor in the US, mm. that it's not surprising that people who don't naturally uh, don't have that would go, well, I want a bit of that. That's nice. No, I want so, a 10% discount in Walmart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's just, living the high life. Yeah. yeah. Just, 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 just quickly, it's not dissimilar to the bias of, of um, uh, the fact that everybody, you know, if you ask, I did a driver's awareness course um, mm. uh, yesterday. Have you fact. been naughty? I've been a little bit naughty. But um, one of the exercises they got you to do was to rate yourself as a driver on a whole series of things. And, you know, from one to ten, lo and behold, everybody came out at eight, right? And it's like, <laughs> and you're the guys on the driver's awareness course. So, you know, um, so it's not dissimilar to that, um, yeah. th th that sort of uh, self-optimism bias. Yeah. Um, yeah, I came across a term that I think kind of captures this um, called virtue imposters where it's a term coined by a philosophy academic Werner Goerig where you don't necessarily adopt the identity of another person um, but instead you adopt a false history for yourself to impersonate virtues and characteristics um, so these the motivation being gaining social recognition or um, uh, exploiting rever reverence or respect um, for veterans, for example, um, for personal gain. Um, so yeah, it seems to be a uh, common disposition. Uh, sorry, I didn't understand what. So what do what do people do? Can you give me an so example? Not, so it would be like so the, the, a Walter Mitty would be an example of virtue imposter. Someone who's not you're not becoming some. You're not adopting a new, complete identity. You're just falsifying parts of your personal history. Yeah. 
uh, maybe intentionally or not, right? Uh, well, I, think the, I think it would be intentional. Okay. Yeah, that sounds intentional. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, so, uh, so I think there's, there's obviously, I think we have to treat these two things as very different. We've got fraud, yeah. which mm. is straightforwardly telling or misleading Lying. people yeah. for gain. Yeah. So, so there's no doubt about it. That, that, that kind of thing is fraud. Getting your 10% discount for veterans in Walmart. That's fraud. By the way, I'm, I made up that yeah. discount. It could exist. It's kind of thing that would exist in the yeah. US. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that British servicemen tend to hate all that sort of valorization of the military. But yeah, yeah. Whereas in the US, I think it's much more normalized. But um, we're just looking at... So in the US, it is a, it is, um, uh, a federal crime to falsely claim to have a military award or decoration. In the US, Since yeah? 2013, yeah. Okay. It's actually a federal crime. Um, in the UK, it is a crime to wear a military uniform without permission, mm -hmm. but it's not a crime to just fal falsify claims about yourself. You're allowed to claim whatever you like about yourself. It'd be tricky to enforce that. People, some bloke down the pub going, yeah, I was in the Paris, and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. right, off to prison Right, exactly, you. and uh, it doesn't seem very British to make that illegal. Um, mm. But uh, a bill was presented to Parliament, I think, in 2016, but I don't, as far as I can tell, it's never been enacted. Um, so uh, in terms of prevalence, according to Reed Employment Agency, one in four CVs have information on them that is not confirmed in screening. Whether that means it's a lie, I don't know. Mm. But and the Guardian claimed that half of all adults claim to uh, admit to having lied or lying on their CV. Um, and just on the narrow kind of Walter Mitty situation, uh, again, the Guardian 2016 reported that uh, apparently 10% of servicemen or ex-servicemen who seek psychiatric treatment for PTSD were basically making up their experiences. So having claimed to have been involved in intense combat situations and things that they couldn't have been and weren't. Which is an unusual area, an unusual context in which to do that, which is quite... Yeah, so, so this is real, and this yeah. is real, real servicemen, but who have sort of exaggerated, I guess, perhaps like the catering core guy, you yeah. know, uh, have pretended that they were in... I mean, only, you've got to remember that it's only a small fraction, not a small fraction, but a, but a fraction of military personnel are combat, you know, troops. Uh, actually, most of them do other stuff. Um, mm. So, so you know, it's it, but so these are, I guess, are the ten percent of people doing other stuff who who kind of don't really like being in the you know the crack tailoring corps and would yeah. rather have been in the light cavalry or something. I yeah. don't know, but there we are. So that's prevalence. The the uh, the answer is actually quite prevalent. Yeah. So look, it seems to me this is quite prevalent. Um, it also it feels quite understandable and shades of grey here. Um, you know, we've talked about even CVs. Who hasn't slightly overegged their CV a bit like that? I know, I know you guys haven't. I know I don't. But I mean, it might be out there a bit. Um, but I think one thing I want to explore is intention um, versus self-delusion. Um, would we like to talk about that for a bit, Jordan? Yes, I think I, I can understand a desire to want to invent a more exciting life for yourself. <laughs> Um, but you work at LF Insight. Yeah. So why, <laughs> why, why would what? you need yeah. to yeah. do that? But I think there is a there there is a a line between self reinvention and self deception. Um, perhaps they're similar in some ways. Um, but I think there's an there's a, there's something artistic about the idea of self reinvention. Mm. Um, like a musician uh, who's changes genres midway through their career, maybe like a Bob Dylan, for example. Um, or Miles Davis David reinventing Bowie, yeah. the big one, jazz. Right? Uh, They're the real greats tend time. to do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, but we wouldn't really call that self-deception. 
uh, we'd, we'd call that just reinventing yourself. Mm. Um, but I guess it is imagining a new self or a new kind of um, career identity for yourself. Um, so, yeah, I, I think where it gets tricky is more in that kind of, it's back to motivations, that kind of Jay Gatsby thing where you're um, uh, from the great Gatsby, where you, you invent this entire life, fictional life for yourself um, for personal or selfish reasons, I suppose, um, and bring other people into your kind of web of deception. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to, yeah, I mean, to what extent is it a disorder as well, right? Mm. Well, obviously there's, um, uh, you know, you do have people with delusional uh, disorder mm. uh, where, where they actually genuinely believe themselves to be somebody. They're not like a ruling monarch or, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, a, a famous person or uh, actually, you know, the... Um, the the sort of earthly appointed representative of God or whatever it might mm. be. So um, there are there are individuals where you know they have a a mental illness that causes them to be delusional. And I suppose the question is to to uh, to what extent some some of these extreme fantasists are doing it not for. Uh, gain or even a conscious sense of bringing up their um, th their own feelings about themselves, but the extent to which that's actually you, you know a, ment a mental illness, and that's why they're compelled. And I think we're not talking about that. We're not talking about delusional disorder. Okay. We're talking about people who um, who create things about their 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 past. And and we talked we talked a little bit about um, yeah in, improving your own sense of yourself or why you might act out um a different um variation of your of your identity i think that's that's potentially part of it about making yourself feel better about yourself or feel differently and if you look at um you know if you look at social phenomena like uh, um cosplay for example mm. you know th th there has been a reasonable amount of psychological study of of, of that and you know um, a couple of the things that that um, that people have reported about it is um, one an ability to feel part of something, and that might explain the the military fantasism uh, that you you know the military is a, a sort of a family, and you know if you're not part of it, you might want to be part of it. Um, and the yeah the other reason is just that ability to act differently if you are presenting a particular identity so you know pe people who pretend to be superheroes or whatever in their in their spare time not actually try and pretend they're superheroes but act out in a sort of cosplay sense you know are able to um, make themselves feel more heroic and and perhaps act more heroically because they're sort of role-playing that now in the case of these Walter Mitty characters it moves from being role playing to you actually trying to convince others that that's the case, but the same motivation might be there. Yeah, it feels like intention is in here somewhere. Yeah. It could be the I, dividing I, I, thing. I, or I, not, yeah, I don't or... think we can draw a sharp line. I mean, mm. there are different types of self deception here. At the extreme end, we've got grandiose delusions, um, like believing you're Napoleon. I suppose, um, <clears throat> and it's odd, I suppose, that delusions 
do tend to tend to err on the grandiose side. Like there's a there seem to be more people who imagine themselves to be Napoleon than imagine themselves to be a foot soldier in the Grand Armée, for example. Mm. So um, there's but so that's at one extreme end. But then at the other end, I mean, there is self-deception is such a prevalent characteristic. I, I think, you know, if there's a, an Aesop's fable about it, then it's got to be something fairly universal. And, and a, a, you know, the story of the fox and the grapes um, is a classic example or, or a, cl- a classic illustration. How does that, of that one go? Con- I can't remember. Well, that. the fox is trying to get these grapes that are t- yeah. too high up for it to reach and it tries various things and eventually just decides it can't get them. But then it declares that the grapes were sour anyway and he didn't want them. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, so that's where we get the phrase sour yeah, grape yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, I, and I think that, so that uh, very low level kind of, um, I, I'm, I'm a different kind of person to the person I want to be or the situation I'm in is better than uh, it looks and or you know not as not as bad as it looks uh, you, you know is 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 something or uh, you know to convince yourself you're better looking than you are or cleverer or funnier like chris was saying the whole eight out of ten everyone everyone gives themselves an eight out of ten on virtues you know we can't all be right some people must be eight out of ten good drivers but mm. you know on average we must be five um so so you can i mean just looking at those statistics of where do people rate them on very rate themselves on different scales uh you, you know it's hugely skewed yeah. towards good so 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 at one end we've got thinking you're superman mm. but at the lower end of kind of we we actually all do think of, of ourselves as slightly more towards superman than we are and, and, and i go on jordan did you want to say? i was just going to say on the um intentional intentionism thing that i think the the internet has kind of provided a bit of a vehicle for people to do that um because you can create an internet alias for yourself Mm. um and and live out multiple kinds of fantasies at the same time um sexual fantasies something for financial um uh and, and i guess something that is related to that is the is catfishing, uh, mm. where a person takes information and images of another person um, and uses them to create a new identity for themselves. And then sometimes that transgresses into the real world as well. So the imagination becomes a reality. Um, but I think, yeah, the internet is an interesting place to realise those imaginations. It's quite public facing, but also quite um, uh, changeable. You can obscure, obfuscate. Well, it's very yeah, easy it's, to lie yeah. in text, isn't it? It's yeah. very hard to lie in only a certain, only certain types of people get away with total fibs yeah. in real life. I mean, we, you know, we're, we've evolved to, for it to be difficult to tell complete bold-faced lies. Yeah. Um, but on the internet, it's much, much easier. Well, yeah, and, and the reality is easier to obscure. If you're standing next to somebody and they're telling you they're six foot three and uh, you know um terribly handsome uh then you can tell that's not the case if you're actually stood next to them but you can maintain that fiction on the internet more easily because um so you know yes well particularly about um your own physical characteristics you know because they can't they can't be seen unless you um, can be verified. Yeah. Um, so look, it, it feels like what we're saying is, hey, humans, right? People, they do this stuff. Um, f- we've all got our foibles. Or put it another way, who is one hundred percent happy with who they are and what they've done, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, but that's different. That is different. I mean, nobody, right? Let's assume the answer is nobody. But 
I struggle with trying to think of why it would be in our interests to believe things about ourselves which aren't true. Uh, it's all very well to pretend. But you've proved that to yourself by that. So if the example of the, the, the fox, you know, Aesop's fables, right? Yeah, but right? why it's does the that same. benefit the fox? Like, it's been better for the fox. Because he can than... move forward in life satisfied in his mind. Yeah, yeah but he doesn't sit and obsess about but the if it, So if it's right, if it's good to move forward in life, then he ought to do that anyway, regardless of forming an incorrect belief about the sweetness of the grapes. No, well, no, I mean, I, I, so all I'm saying is because it's some, such a common thing, common f phenomenon that we all experience, I don't think we stop to think about how weird it is that we, um, you know, think it's kind of normal to form false beliefs like that. You know, to convince yourself that, you know, the the person you who's rejected you was horrible anyway or that you know you weren't really enjoying the party or you know we go around convincing ourselves telling stories about things that have happened to keep to make ourselves happy but that's really weird right it's well, no, really you weird say that. It points, no well it, you see it's not you, it's, it's weird, weird when, when you, you discuss it like it. this dispassionately. No, no, it is. It isn't. It's it's weird. It isn't weird normally because we do it all the time. We don't stop to think about it. Right. It is weird when you think about yeah. it because it implies that there's different bits of our psyche, almost like one stupid bit which is going to be fobbed off with that explanation, and one kind of intelligent bit which sort of knows it isn't true. It, mm. It's like you're trying to tell the primitive parts of your psyche. Um, oh, look, don't worry. You didn't want to do that anyway. You know, I don't, I, 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 I'm surprised I, I, that you're surprised. But anyway, no, no, um, that because yeah. you haven't thought about it as much as I have. Uh, have I not? So okay. you're not surprised enough. Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it is surprising, but it's understandable because it would safeguard you against possibly um, vulnerable, you know, feeling vulnerable, or or having to face up to reality. Yeah, if that you're vulnerable, let, no, 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 you no, 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 no. Let him. Let, yeah. No. yeah, but I suppose in the in in the attempt to sort of move through life and not dwell on things and become depressed over small things, it's kind of advantageous to be able to make a narrative for yourself that suits you. And maybe it's false, but it allows you to move on in a way. Yeah, that, you know. I, 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 think, I think there's two things here. There's the emotional sense, right, which Nick's saying, but that must have some rational underpinning and it, we don't seem to be able to see what that is. So, so yes, you safeguard your, your morale about yourself, but why why do you need to do that? And I think the reason you need to do that, to feel that you are better than you actually are, is so that you carry on going out and trying to do things, right? Because if you assessed yourself to be actually accurately as as good as you are at things, you 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 wouldn't take as much risk as you, you yeah. wouldn't get out of bed so in the morning. This is the problem, Nick, because you're so successful... No, and I, such a well-rounded individual is that you don't understand the foibles it. We're, of others. We're tackling this from a from a again from inside, and I and I I think we're not appreciating how weird it is from outside. Okay, it feels to us like we we would be really depressed if we realised how unattractive yeah. we were. So we convince ourselves. Otherwise, you know, we'd never we'd never try it on with anyone. And we, yeah. you know, but that look that doesn't make any. It is still better. It would still be better to have a correct belief about yourself and then act accordingly. No. No. It would. It no. just would be better to act accordingly. Your the outcomes because if you're acting on correct beliefs, the outcomes are more likely to accord with your desires. No, because then you'd never be get laid. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the outcome could be though, not. You would if it was. If you if there are some times no. when even being unattractive. 
that you're going to talk to someone and end up getting laid. If that's true sometimes, then you ought to accurately believe that. But so so yeah. what I think, I think what it points to is that we essentially self-deception is actually a workaround. It's a hack that our brain has worked out yeah. to avoid more fundamental physiological processes. So in other words, let's say depression is, is based on something physiological and something a bit primitive about our sense of self-worth and status and so on. And and our, you know, like more more um, rational parts of our brain but, have worked out that it's a danger. It's a danger if our, if our de you know, depression cycle gets uh, triggered. So we, we construct stories and kind of shield our primitive brain from... from you know that, but but it is weird. It's okay. weird that we so I think we think the story. same thing. It's just the I think you say all that, and I go, yeah, of course. And you say all that and go, isn't that strange? Yeah. But I just think that's strange. of course. Of course I think like that's because you, yeah. you're just stuck inside your own human being yeah, self. That, that must and be I'm it. trying to step out. I think that's what it must be. Yeah. Get out there and say I think it's also it. because the self the self deception works. I think that's the it's other thing. Self, that, yeah. Sorry. Go like, on. like the reason I think maybe we 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 also do it is because it, it can work. Like that you you. You create this false identity. You um, identify some outcomes that you're seeking. You seek those, and then it's a bit of a self-fulfilling. So you, the deception yeah, self-preserving. I, I think it's like sort of getting to the the heart of it. So I think if you think of something like a, a, an entrepreneur, um, the idea if you correctly assessed your your likelihood of setting up a successful business, um, and you actually rationally looked at it, I. I think it's probably the case that you wouldn't start, you wouldn't start a business. Um, that, this I is, just don't no, think that could be. Look, no, it's like no, no, if no, sorry, Nick. Before you go, wait, 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 wait. Right. This is exactly like this podcast that we did on, I think, military leadership styles, right? Which is there needs to be an element of deception, self-deception of yourself, of course, of yourself, but of others. Which is the way you do win is going. Come on, lads, let's go. We're going to go. We're going to win. Um, which is if he sort of gave a rational assessment of look, we probably can't do this, and we, you know, you wouldn't get anywhere. Yeah. So I feel yeah. it's the same as right. your entrepreneurial he's, example. He's actually talking to people he needs to deceive. That makes sense. But I think they're deceiving What we're saying is that this well. is inside someone, you one person is. Or, so just to give you an example, imagine I'm designing a robot that's designed to jump over a gap, mm. and it needs to work out how big the gap is and if the gap is too big it shouldn't jump over right just now, because now the what robot if believes, that robot yeah. said oh well the thing is i you know i i ought to jump over gaps i can't i i ought to believe this gap is smaller otherwise i'm never going to jump over this gap properly you would say no i've designed you to jump over a gap if you can make it and not jump over the gap if you can't right and, that, and then you wouldn't design the robot any other way it'd be stupid so what but, i'm saying is the fact that we're like no, that is, but humans is, is are a, not robots okay oh. Ah, oh, but a man's reach be beyond his grasp. Okay, but well, what's let's, a look, heaven let's, for? let's 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 move stop. on. Let's stop. Can see, I'm not going to convince you. No, so of course you're just, not. Yeah. Okay, look, I asked this question before, but no one, Nick, you took us in the wrong direction. Um, does it matter? Does it really matter if we're like this? Who does? Yeah, Chris. Yeah, well, I th I think um, it matters in some circumstances, and it doesn't matter in other circumstances, right? So, for for example, right, if somebody so there's a there's a woman um, Zolia Alemi who um, posed as a, a medical doctor. I think I think actually it was a psychiatrist. Anyway, she wasn't qualified, and there yeah, quite. Um, and and there have been other historic cases of people posing as having medical qualifications that they don't, um, and. Obviously, under those circumstances, you've got people potentially dispensing medical treatments 
without having the proper qualifications, right? So I think where there's a there's an aspect of um, uh, actually having a dangerous or tangible impact, then obviously matters. it matters. But if it's somebody saying, "Do you know what? I'm uh, actually the the you know the great great grandchild of uh, Queen Victoria." Then, under those circumstances, it well, unless they're the king, <laughs> quite yeah. Unless they make a claim to the throne and there's a civil war going on, yeah. then it becomes then it quite matter, important. Yeah. But we don't do that anymore. So, um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I think there's a sort of um, there's an element of what are the what are the consequences of the of the fantasy. Um, I, 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 I oh, sorry, Jordan. Yeah, I, I think it matters. I think whether the consequences are big or small, uh, or whether it's self deception or deceiving others, I, I think. They're all probably things you best avoid. So I, um, yeah, I'd say it matters. It definitely matters to me, and it matters to everyone. I, I mean, we we are pl- we design we we've evolved to hunt this kind of thing down. There's a Valton commando inside all of us uh, because we correctly perceive that people gain unfair social advantage from this. Um, you know, and, and and it's quite right that we hunt out inauthenticity, and and it, and it dry. It, I actually personally really irks me when I when I have to talk to someone. I don't mind grandiose fantasists, people who are so obviously talking bullshit that they're almost figures of fun. You know, the Donald Trump types. You know, mm. they're, they're so preposterous that actually you, should, you can't really believe the sorts of claims they make about themselves. I'm talking about the, the people who are, you know, who've always, oh, they just did that really interesting thing and they led this mm. team and they and they got this thing and they, oh, they, uh, you know, they once slept with this celebrity. And it's like they actually, the problem is there are lots of people out there who actually will, that, that will raise, you know, that person's esteem in their eyes. And it's our job to hunt them down and say, no, you're talking bullshit. It drives me mad. So, uh, yeah, personally, I'm, I mean, I think and I think the fact that we see a virtue in in the kind of authenticity, you know, the story about Oliver Cromwell, paint me warts and all mm. that we see a virtue in that because that is it's better to have an accurate appraisal of yourself. And to succeed in spite of it, you're than, it being, is, than it is to succeed because you're lying. Okay, you're being far too rational. And again, you've just proved it, right? Because famously, Oliver Cromwell was massively dislikable, right? Yeah, so there you go. He had that, protector, didn't he? He, he was, had wonderfully had this integrity and, yeah. you know, but, oh, but a bit of a git, you know, and did all sorts of yeah, horrible things. he knew things. he was a git. Whereas no. I'm talking about people who are a git and they go around acting like they're not. But all three of you are saying it matters. And to be fair to Chris, mm. he's saying it more of it matters if someone's sort of doing open heart surgery and don't really ha- not really I mean, qualified. I'll give you that. But, but I, it just feels it, it like, okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but what does, that, what does that even mean? Oh, it matters. I mean, what, what does that mean? Like, oh, I get offended, personally offended by it. Or no, does it mean certain, they should be There's only a certain up? amount of status to go around. And if someone else is, go, is going up because they're lying it's my job to pull them down, <laughs> okay. right? Because they're taking status away from other people who actually deserve it. Yeah, and not yeah. Um, I like the way we've it, it, status. We've talked. We are talking about status as, as we often are. Status seeking. Uh, look, we need to stop. Question: What's the biggest? What's the most self-serving exaggeration that you've ever been guilty of? I'll kick us off. Okay. Um, when I lived in Brazil, um, I thought. I was a really good surfer, okay? And there's a bit of quite a bit of surfing culture in Brazil. And so I had my uh, I had two boards. The first one sadly broke in quite uh, gnarly conditions, I have to say. Uh, that one was called Jesus. 
because um, I used to name you my surfboard called Jesus. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And used right. to look, I looked after Jesus. Jesus looked after me. You know, I really started getting into this life. However, unfortunately, I was actually really bad at surfing. I quickly realized by actually surfing around on the waves that people would pretty quickly realize that I can't actually surf. And so, but I naturally wanted that kudos that comes with it. And so what did I do? I used to intentionally walk up and down the beach just holding a surfboard, right? Um, and just so, yeah. You know, yeah, so the chicks would go, hey, look at that guy. You know, he's but a great surfer. Wouldn't they expect to see you actually go and surf? At some point, yeah. Um, however, it's even worse than that because I was found out pretty quickly because this one day I was walking on the beach, strolling to the a cafe or something. I walked past these three girls, these beautiful Brazilian girls. And as I walked past them, I just went like this. I looked at them and went, oi, like that, which means hi. And they were sort of tittering, looking like, obviously quite impressed by my whole yeah. surfing thing. And at the very moment I said, oi, um, the leash that, uh, that attaches you to the board, it, I tripped over it. <laughs> and I just went splat straight in front of them with sand all over my like face. Like Bernie and, Breslau in a carry-on film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And just even had I been an amazing surfer, it just straight away that sort of, you know, broke down any kind of facade and, you know, I just had to run off in, in shame. Did you have the leash around your leg? No, it was just sort of trailing. Okay. Rather well, unprofessionally. Even, yeah, quite. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So a proper surfer would know, sort of, would have better uh, leash... Um, um, discipline. Discipline, exactly. Yeah. Jordan? Yeah, my, mine are mostly around work. And one instance I can think of, I think uh -oh. I just... <laughs> not this, not this <laughs> he job. He pretended he had some degrees <laughs> when he applied for um, a job. You don't really have a degree. Yeah. CVs and stuff. Um, yeah. But um, I just finished school, I think, and, and one of my friend's dads was doing some work on on their house, and was like, "Oh yeah, John, do you want to come and, and help uh, help out? You know, getting on the tools that sort of thing." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, it'd be it'd be great." I had absolutely no experience operating any power tools at all, <laughs> but thought that if I said no, it would look a bit like a bit unmasculine of me. Yeah, especially um, in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and and I remember I was operating something obviously very badly, um, and um, it it moved or something happened, and it got a massive <laughs> cut down my arm that was very alarming, and I think I actually had to go to hospital because it wouldn't stop bleeding. Um, to get it treated but yeah that was kind of embarrassing because I was trying to yeah I was trying to be a bit macho and it didn't go very well yeah <laughs> yeah well um, I suppose my mine would so you know I'm a super forecaster I'm not making that up yeah, I, no, I, I yeah. was in the sort of super forecaster category in yeah. the 2014 year of the so Good Judgment you Project say but that. Yeah. Being, don't tell anyone, right, Fraser, but being a super forecaster is actually quite straightforward. It just involves looking at some data and dividing numbers by each other. And, and it's, it's really not. But, but well, the that thing even is, sounds too much of a stretch way for that me. So, it became on. kind of out there, mm. unusually. Like the, the, the results were reported in the press and there were kind of popular science books written and so on. And for, um, you know, for a while, being a super forecaster made you a, a little tiny bit of a celebrity in oh. quite a niche area. And and I went to a, a conference. I was one of the speakers at this conference for super forecasters arranged arranged by another another friend of mine. And um, and, you know, like people, people from the press were coming up and saying, oh, you know, you're a super forecaster. Can I interview you? And, you know, do you want to be? And, and I just 
I really felt like such a big fraud. I was like, look, this is just, I'm just someone who knows how to use a spreadsheet properly. Because uh, I think people wanted to believe it was some kind of incredible Like mystical talent. type thing. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I have to admit, it was quite, you know, I quite enjoyed it. So I, you know, I wasn't necessarily overly keen to quash the idea that I was some kind of superhuman. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there we are. Yeah, no, I like that. Good one. Uh, Chris? Uh, I think for me, it was the, um, the time I ran uh, a workshop with a um, group of religious people from a particular religious organization uh, that were focused on sort of peacekeeping and stability. And at the end of the workshop, um, they took a moment to pray um <laughs> and i didn't i didn't have uh, 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 and they sort of said you know oh, you you don't you don't have to take part in this if you you know if you don't want to but i felt like i'd gone through this whole thing with them and 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 i felt bullied I, into I, it I, I i sort of i yeah i sort of didn't disabuse them of the notion uh that um, I was religious in some way. Well, they're so. a bit touchy, aren't they, ISIS, about that kind of That's thing. That's right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had I declared I wasn't uh, a jihadi, it could have gone wrong for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I uh, I was a, a man of God for uh, about 30 seconds. Yeah, nice. Good. <laughs> I like that. Um, I liked all the examples. I liked all the examples. All right, uh, let's stop there. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew, being here with Nick Hare, Chris Ragg, and Jordan Fermanis of Aleph. Until next time, goodbye. Mm -hmm.